0: but we just got a chance to watch believers baptism this morning praise the lord for that but i don't know if you also saw what just happened an african-american man just baptized two white ladies right after that a white man just baptized an african-american man by the way here it is if you don't like that you are not going to like heaven okay I have prayed over the years, God, help us to be a church. I want to pastor a church that is just as diverse as the world Christ came to save. When you get a chance to watch different believers, different ethnicities together, worshiping God, praising God, serving each other, do not just think that's normal. The world does not see that as normal. It needs to be normal in the church of Jesus Christ. So, that's message one for the morning. <laughs> message two is what I found on my desk this morning. What I'm holding in my hand is a stack of prayer walking cards from people right here at Sherwood. These cards have been turned in over the last several weeks. I took a little bit of time this morning to just quickly go through and count. Listen, there's over 90 streets that have now been prayed over. Dozens of other churches in this community have been prayed over. Schools have been prayed over. Fire stations prayed over. Hospitals prayed over. Businesses prayed over. Listen, here's why I'm so excited about that. When the people of God begin to see God's giving them an opportunity to shepherd their neighborhoods and to love on their community and love on their city, it's going to be amazing to see what God does in that. Now, somebody might think I'm crazy, but I'm going to just tell you that I shared this with the early morning prayer group. A piece that I've noticed in the last year is there's a lot of people who will say things they don't like about the Albany area. They're quick to tell you that. Let me just say, speak words of life over the city you're in, that you're raising your family in. Pray for them. So one of the things that I noticed was a burden of mine when I'm driving down the road is I kept seeing all these businesses that were boarded up, and I began to pray business by business. God, bring another business there. Bring another business there. I've been telling Bria like last several weeks, I've been praising God. I'm riding down the road, and the businesses I've been praying over, new businesses are coming in right now. Listen, pray over your community. And by the way, if you've missed an opportunity to pray over your neighborhood, there's still an opportunity for you. There's plenty of these prayer walking cards that are outside in the different silver stands. At the doors as you leave, pick them up, pray over your neighborhoods. Now, you might think that I'm done. I'm not. That was message number two. (laughs) So here's message number three of a blessing. This upcoming Friday night is the premiere of Life Mark. Some of you have already seen it. Incredible story of life of adoption and redemption. Even if you've already seen it, go see it again and bring some friends with you. It is an opportunity to support Christian movie, Christian film, and a message that is absolutely incredible. Message number three, taking care of. Message number four is the one I'm actually going to preach this morning. So, (laughs) All of that was uh, early preaching right there, but by the way, I'm not going to count that against my time this morning. That's kind of like an excited announcement, so to speak. So maybe you've noticed by now, but I love a good quote. There's just something exciting to me about a great thought being expressed simply and in a memorable way. I'm a little weird like that, but that just makes me excited whenever I see it. So this last week, I went online to find a couple of good perseverance quotes. I thought that would be appropriate for this morning's message. And one of the first things that struck me in this is how few perseverance quotes are actually online. That in and of itself might be a very telling aspect of our current culture. Now, of the quotes that I did find, the vast majority were focused on the concept of perseverance, not necessarily using the word perseverance. There was a whole lot of keep going, never surrender, you can do it, uh, grit makes all the difference, there's value in persistence, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of those quotes that are out there. And that also led to another discovery. A lot of people will use the words persistence and perseverance interchangeably. Now I thought that was a little odd, until I looked it up in the dictionary. And when I found out the dictionary was having a hard time deciding between the two words, I didn't feel as bad about that. (laughs) So here's the definition of perseverance. Listen to the first word. Persistence in doing something despite difficulty. So then I looked up the word for persistence. It is to continue a course of action in spite of difficulty kind of a tomato-tomato type of situation. So all of that being said, I've decided to give a couple of quotes on persistence for those of you who like that word better and also a couple on perseverance just for good measure. So here's my first quote. It's from Benjamin Franklin. And Mr. Franklin said, energy and persistence conquer all things. Now, I don't want to squabble with the good brethren, Franklin, but 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love conquers all things. I'm sure energy and persistence are really important, but I, I couldn't really get behind Ben on that one. So this next quote was so good, two people took credit for it. I'm going to ask if this slide would come up on the screen. Now, if you'll notice, the green is the two quotes, and then I circled in red the two different names. There's Bill Bradley, and then there's William the IV. That's an awesome name. So, here's the actual quote. Ambition is the path to success. Persistence is the vehicle you arrive in. Now, you need to put an addendum on this. Plagiarism makes you sound smart if the internet doesn't put the quote you stole next to the person who actually said it. Now, in this case, I'm gonna give the quote to Bill Bradley. He had better punctuation and a picture to go with his. Now, here's your two perseverance quotes. Josh Shipp said, Perseverance is stubbornness with a purpose. I like that. I'm kind of stubborn in general. It's good to know I've got a purpose sometimes. (laughs) And here's your last one Perseverance is the hard work you do after you get tired of the hard work you already did. That's a good quote. So regardless of what we call it, persistence, perseverance, I, I think we would all agree that it is important. We need to persist through struggles. We need perseverance in habit formation and learning new things and playing sports. It, it is something wonderful about sticking to something and seeing it through and not giving up when things get hard. So perseverance is also unbelievably crucial when it comes to going through trials. Now, today is going to be the final week out of our study of trials based on James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And we've talked about trials in perspective. And we answered the question, how are we to think in the trials? And then we talked about trials and faith. What is actually being tested? Then we talked about trials and maturity. What's the purpose behind the trials? And then today we're talking about trials and perseverance. Why should I keep going? Is there some reward at the end? Is there a good reason? Is there there some type of divine incentive to stay in it when it hurts and when it just keeps lingering and when you don't see resolve for those problems? What does the Bible have to say about walking through the trials and persevering along the way? Let's find out together in the word. I invite you to go with me again. James chapter number one. James chapter number one, we're back in verses two through four, and we are adding in verse number 12. You're going to notice today that verse 12 is actually a continuation of the thought that started in verses two through four. So here's what it says. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing verse 12 blessed is a man who perseveres under trial for once he has been approved he will receive the crown of life which the lord has promised to those who love him let's pray heavenly father may your spirit guide us into all truth in jesus name amen I've already given you the definition of perseverance, broadly defined as persistence in doing something despite difficulty. Now that concept of perseverance has already shown up multiple times in the last couple of weeks. We've seen it mentioned in verse 3, mentioned in verse 4, and now also mentioned in verse number 12. So in verse number 3, it reminds us that the testing of our faith produces endurance or patience. And a couple of weeks ago, if you'll remember, I walked through that and I shared that endurance or patience is not a resignation to sit idly and do nothing, but a courageous, here's the word, perseverance to continue in the face of suffering and difficulty. So the word comes up again in verse number four, and let endurance have its perfect result. Notice that word, let, once again. There is this submissive cooperation with what the Spirit of God is doing in that moment through those trials. We are to let it have its full effect. We are to let it do what it is intended to do. So what is it intended to do? Well, verse number four answers that. It is intended to have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Perfect, it means fully developed or mature. Complete, it speaks of something that has all of its parts, therefore it is whole. So when somebody perseveres in their trials, it brings maturity, it brings completeness, it brings a strength of character that allows the person to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now put those two verses together. Verses 3 and 4, they speak of enduring through trials. Enduring Through trials. Those who persevere through trials will be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Then, verse number 12, it speaks of persevering under trials. Those who persevere under trials will be blessed, they gain God's approval, and they will receive the crown of life. I want you to listen again to verse number 12. This is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time today. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. That now brings us to our big truth for the morning. God gives overcoming blessings to believers who persevere under trials. God gives overcoming Blessings blessings that allow the person to succeed. Blessings that allow the person to go through the difficulty and through the problems. He gives overcoming blessings to believers who persevere under trials. Now, from the very beginning, we need to try our best to settle a confusing point about God's blessings, about rewards, about crowns. So, there is a group of believers who they do not like the idea, they look unfavorably upon the idea of God giving eternal rewards. And I actually understand a part of what they mean. What they're concerned about is people who are doing something not out of right motivation, not out of love for God, but out of something they can get from God somewhere else down the road. So I understand that tension. But we also have to be absolutely careful that we don't downplay God's gifts as being insignificant or suggest that God-inspired motivation is somehow wrong. Now, if you've not thought a lot about or heard a lot about God's rewards or crowns, here's your one-minute crash course to make sure you know what we're doing, are dealing with this morning in the text. So if a person has repented of their sin by placing faith in Jesus Christ, they are given eternal life. They are saved. They are 100% secure in the arms of God. Their eternal home is now heaven. Wonderful news all the way around. At the judgment seat of Christ, believers are not going to stand before God and be judged on their suitability for heaven. That has already been taken care of by Christ on the cross. Instead, we stand before the judgment seat of God and our service for him is going to be evaluated and it will be rewarded based upon God's perspective of what we have done. Now let me say, all service is not equal service. Even Jesus said over in Matthew chapter 7 that some people are serving him who don't even know him. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that our works are going to be judged by fire. It even goes as far as to say those things that are done in the flesh will be burned up as wood, hay, and stubble. You can do the right thing with the wrong motivation and God still knows. You can have the wrong heart and be doing it because you want people to look at you. God recognizes that. That's wood, hay, and stubble down the road. Now, the reason this is important is because God alone knows our thoughts, our motivations, and all of our actions. So God alone will be the one to reward our actions accordingly. There's five different specific crowns, heavenly crowns mentioned in the New Testament that will be awarded to believers in eternity. Here they are very quickly. There is the victor's crown found in 1 Corinthians 9. That is for people who run the race exercising self-control and self-discipline. Then there is the crown of rejoicing, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. That's for those who share the gospel with and lead others to faith in Christ. Then there's the crown of righteousness found in 2 Timothy chapter 4. That's for those who run the race, they keep the faith, and they set their eyes on their heavenly home. Then there's the crown of glory found in 1 Peter chapter 5. That's for those who faithfully lead and shepherd God's people. And then there is the crown of life mentioned in our text today. James chapter 1 verse 12 and Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. That is for those who faithfully follow Jesus while enduring persecution and temptation and trials. Now, with each of the different crowns, as mentioned in Scripture, you will notice that the believers are encouraged to walk faithfully, to run in such a way that you may win, to live in such a way that you might receive one of these crowns, To look with anticipation towards. In other words, God is very, very clear. He wants us to be intentional with how we live and how we serve and have wisdom in all of those things. He wants our minds engaged, and he also says, and look towards eternity because there's a reward on the other side. That's biblical. That's scriptural. Now, somebody might say, I don't need a reward on the other side. God did far more for me than I ever deserved when he saved me. I would say, yes, you're 100% correct. But for people who have been fighting hell by the acre for years, for those who have been in some of the darkest, most discouraging places that you could ever imagine, for that person, it is helpful for them to know, this world is not my home And even though my blessings start here, they don't end here. There's a crown that is waiting on the other side. There is a Savior who is waiting on the other side. Our key truth again, God gives overcoming blessings to believers who persevere under trials. So what are some of those blessings? Just know, we've already covered a number of these. Here's about two minutes to kind of package together quickly the. The blessings we've already covered. According to the text, when our faith is tested, we gain three benefits or three blessings. We gain experiential knowledge, insight into the validity of our faith, and endurance or patience. All of those are blessings that come to us. Also, when we let endurance have its perfect result, we are perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There's spiritual maturity. That's another blessing that comes to us. Also, persevering under trials not only produces patience, it also produces pureness. Trials have a way of refining our character. Trials have a way of stripping away false pretenses of our life and helping us know whether or not we truly believe what we say we believe. That's a blessing to understand those things on this side of eternity. William Barclay pointed out, that the endurance of the early Christians was not, quote, simply the ability to bear things. It was the ability to turn them to greatness and glory. The thing that amazed the heathen in centuries of persecution was that the martyrs did not die grimly, they died singing, end of quote. Now, think about that statement back over into verse number two. Count it all joy. When somebody has God's perspective, and God is maturing them, and they're walking through these, and there's a song in their heart, and there's joy in their lives, that is a blessing. That is something the world does not understand. And may I also say, that's something that a lot of believers don't understand. Now, verse 12 takes us to another level. It starts with the word blessed. It's the same word that is used in the Beatitudes portion of the Sermon on the Mount back over in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed, it means more than happiness, more than a carefree life, more than living without conflict or trouble. Blessed speaks of a profound inner joy and deep satisfaction. Listen, that only God can give. Think of this. It is a joy that only Jesus can give the person who faithfully endures the trial, listen to the context, by his strength and for his glory. In other words, when somebody is undergoing trials in difficulty and problems, And they are submitted to God, and it is him living himself out through us. And there's a strength that is there. And that person is walking through those trials, not looking at self, not looking at me, not looking at pain, but eyes fixed on the glory of God, saying, God, do something for your own glory. Use this moment for your own glory. Allow this to be a catalyst for your glory. Here's what James says. That person is blessed. They have a joy and an inner satisfaction that only God can give. Come on, listen. That type of blessing, that's the kind of blessing that the world looks around and says, I don't understand it, but I want that. That's the kind of blessing... That when a person is living that way, when you share the gospel, you have something to share. Where somebody says, how does the gospel change my life tomorrow? It's that type of living that helps the person understand it. So what does that look like in real time? What does that look like for you and I, 2022? What does it look like for us to be blessed like that? The, the idea to persevere under trial it means the person never loses confidence in God. They are hurting, but their eyes are locked on God. They might feel like they can't breathe because it's suffocating them, but in their heart of hearts, they know, my next breath is coming, and it's coming because of my God. That's what it looks like. That, that's the person who they can testify like Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Listen, it's easy to quote that verse. It is hard to live that verse. Listen to this persevere. Here's what this word means in the text. It's to stay under it, to remain under, to bear the trials, to have fortitude, to endure patiently. Or suffer the person who is persevering under the trial they feel that trial but they stay under it anyway why why would I bring that up because sometimes in an attempt to explain what we cannot explain people will say things like this if they felt it the way I did they also would be upset If it bothered them like it bothers me, they wouldn't respond that way. Oh, listen, they feel it too. They stay anyway. The pain hurts because they're under it. But here, they've learned to patiently endure as they wait on the Lord. This person is not running from those different things. It's the fact that through the trials and over a series of events and over time, God has been building in and building in and building in and building in. And there's a maturity, there's an endurance, there's a praise, there's an outlook, there's a focus, there's a worship that comes through that, that somehow in the process, even though people don't understand, God has given that person the firm conviction Jesus is enough. I can't explain it other any other way. He's enough. As long as I have him, I can keep going. As long as I know I'm right with him, there's hope for tomorrow. That's the type of perseverance that only comes through these trials. Why stick in it? Because there's glory that you can give back to God on the other side. You can't take it for yourself You can't say it was me. You can't say I figured it out. It's in the presses with God that He works it out. I've shared with you all a part of my testimony. First three years in Vegas, hardest three years of my life. Everything that I felt like I was good at, it was like God said, Nope, that wasn't you, that was me. This piece, that was me. That part of your character, that's wrong. It was hard. But here's what happened in three years. I could only describe it as being in the presses with God. Like like grapes where the, the, the juice is being pressed out. It felt like he was pressing and pressing and pressing. And I could see these things coming out of my life. I was like, God, that hurts, but thank you. That hurts, but thank you. And then here's what happened. Over time, God began to bring additional blessings that I didn't expect and the pain started to wear away a little bit and there were more blessings and there was more joy and there were less pain and there were more opportunities and all of a sudden this fear rose up inside of me and here's the thing I was afraid of who I would be if God were not pressing it all out Would I still walk as faithfully? Would I still get on my knees before him every day if circumstances did not drive the need to get me back on my face before God? And I just said, God, help me in this time. I don't want to push away your blessings, but I also don't want to go backwards. God, may I have the same passion, if not more, under your blessing than under the presses. James says when that person has been approved, he will receive a crown of righteousness, crown of life. I want you to notice the sequence. Perseverance brings God's approval. God's approval brings the crown of life. Uh, This word for crown, it does not seem to fit a royal crown of any kind, but rather it's a concept that's borrowed from athletics. There was a wreath that would be placed upon a victor's head in athletic games symbolizing the fact they persevered and they were triumphant. That they, they were conditioned to be able to go through and to triumph on the other side. I love the way that the crown of life is mentioned in Revelation 2.10. Jesus addresses suffering Christians and he said, Be faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. What a beautiful contrast. Even when enduring the trial means physical death, life is the reward for those who love God. In the early 1900s, there was a group of missionaries from different mission sending groups who became known as one way missionaries. When they accepted God's call to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, they recognized the inherent dangers that would come with missionary work in different places around the world. They recognized that there would be different types of illnesses and disease that they might not be able to treat and very likely would cost them their lives. They recognized that the amount of money that it cost to get to the mission field would mean that very likely once they went, they would never come back. They knew that there would be the last time of seeing friends and family on this side of eternity. So, listen to this. Instead of packing their suitcases to go, they had coffins made for each family member, and they packed their coffins with their worldly possessions. Their mentality was if I come back, it's going to be in this box. Or if I die, here's what I will be buried in. Think of that for just a moment. Not only did the parents, husbands and wives, do that, but they helped their children pack their coffin to go to the mission field. They were of the mindsets that I'm willing to lay down earthly comforts and friends and family and perceive safety, in order to die on foreign soil if that's what it takes for others to come to know Jesus. One of those missionaries was a man by the name of Peter Milne. Uh, Milne went to a tribe of headhunters in the South Pacific off of Australia's coast. Every missionary attempt to get the gospel to this group had ended in the person being killed. He accepted the call of God anyway. He packed his coffin, and he sent out traveling to the South Pacific. God gave him 50 years of fruitful ministry service, sharing the gospel with this tribe. When he died of natural causes, by the way, when he died of natural causes, the tribesmen buried him and put this on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. That's a picture of somebody who's saying, God, I'm willing to sign up for the trials. I'm willing to persevere if that's what it takes. Now, this is Paul speaking for a moment. I don't necessarily think the church in America is producing a lot of one way missionary types these days. I can tell you what we are producing. We've become effective at producing spiritually domesticated saints who sacrifice little, commit to little, and many times want an assurance before they take the first step of obedience with Christ. Somebody might say, Paul, that's a very pessimistic view. There's great believers throughout the U.S. I will give you that 100%. There are believers in the U.S. who are sold out, prayer warriors, willing to take the gospel, pay whatever the price. Here's the piece I'm trying to say. They are the exception, not the norm. It's not that you look around and say, I can put my hand on 50 right now. That's not the norm. You say, well, why would you even bring that up? Like, what's the point in this? The reason is because when we read text, as believers in America, talking about persecution, when we read those, we become largely detached from the text because we don't have a point of comparison. Because of the blessings of our freedoms, it has limited our exposure to persecution like what other believers have faced around the world. But for those who have given all for the sake of the gospel, for those who have been enduring under the trials for years, for those parents who packed their child's coffin before they went to the mission field, words of this, of God's eternal rewards, that would breathe life into those people. Our perspective changes how we read the word of God. Listen to that text again. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. On the other side, there's a crown of life that our Lord has promised. On the other side is when you hear those words, well done, good and faithful servants. Here's my prayer. My prayer is, God, help us to raise up a generation of one-way missionary types. Help us be the generation that says we're willing to lay it all down for the sake of the gospel. Here's a part of my prayer. It sounds strange. My prayer is, God, send us to the hard places. Send us to the places nobody else wants to go. God, pour out our lives as a drink offering for the gospel God, use us to be salt and light. God, instead of us walking through trials with bitterness and anxiety and angst because of it, God, would you help us to be people that we let endurance have its perfect result? Help us to be those believers that we get to the other side and all we're doing is pointing to Jesus saying, he's enough, he's enough, he's enough. That's my prayer. God has a principle for us to remember in that. First the cross, then the crown. First the suffering, then the glory. One final thought as we close. The very end of verse number 12, it says, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, based on the flow of the text, it almost might seem as though It should say, they were receiving a crown of life the Lord has promised to those who trust him or those who obey him. And yet the word here is love. Love is the spiritual motivation behind every imperative of this section. Imperatives are the commands. There's been four in the preceding verses. Count, know, let, and ask. We can count it all joy or consider it all joy because we love God, God loves us, and that trial is not going to change anything. We can know that the testing of our faith produces endurance because Jesus loves us and he is truth personified. He is not going to lead us astray. We can let endurance have its perfect result because even though it hurts like crazy, nothing can separate us from the love of God. We can ask God for wisdom because of this love relationship we have with him. He gives to all liberally and without reproach. Every one of the imperatives in this section flows out of a love relationship with God. I don't know if you've heard me make this statement before, but it seems like a good time to make it again. Make it again. Here we go. Everything God desires to do in and through your life he will accomplish out of the overflow of your relationship with him everything all that we're talking about here it's the overflow of relationship it's God doing the work in and through and for us I don't know if you've noticed this or not but people who go through trials well with God they come out on the other side with a love and a depth of relationship with God That'll make you jealous. There is something beautiful about walking through pain with your Savior. Listen again to the words of Paul in Philippians 3. I counted all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have, here's the word, suffered the loss of all things. And count them but rubbish that I may gain Christ. That I may be found in him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being conformed to his death. Paul basically says the suffering is worth it. The pain, it's worth it. The loss, it's worth it. That I may know Christ. Christ. God gives overcoming blessings to believers who persevere under trials. So how is God using your pain to draw you to himself right now? I cannot encourage you enough if you're not already doing it. Write down what he's teaching you. Write it in a journal. Share it with others that are followers of Christ. Where is God saying I want you to persevere under this trial. And you keep telling God, I just want the trial to go away. Ask God for his perspective in that moment. Are you sure that you know him? Trials will help us see the genuineness of our faith. Is it possible that in this room, God is calling some men and women in this room right now to be those one-way missionaries for the next generation? Is it possible that God is calling you to take the gospel to the nations? And let me pause for just a moment. Every born-again follower of Jesus Christ has a calling placed on their life. My calling was for vocational ministry. That might not be your calling. Guess what? it doesn't mean your calling is any less than my calling. God calls some to be godly business people, some to be godly teachers, some to be godly factory workers, some to be godly stay-at-home moms, some to be godly coaches, some to be godly nurses and others. God calls people to represent him well with the gifts and the calling placed on his life. So my my thing for you is wherever God has called you to, my question is, are you letting him live in and through you in that sphere of influence? Can people look at your life and say, they have something I want. I don't understand it, but I want it. I don't know why they react the way they do, but I want to react that way. Those are the conversations that come. When the trials have pressed out the flesh, and now it's just Jesus living his life in and through us. What has God placed before you that's an opportunity for him to now live through you? I'm going to ask you if you would bow your heads for just a moment. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I recognize that absolutely in a room of this size, and based on conversations I've had with people in notes and messages sent to me over the last several weeks, there are a lot of people going through different types of trials. And we've prayed over those trials. And we've tried to walk through the different pieces of those trials. And we've tried to give biblical perspective all along the way. But I recognize that trials still bring pain. There's hurt. There's confusion in that. I want to encourage you today, whatever you're walking through, make sure that you bring it to the feet of Jesus. There is peace in his presence. There is joy in his presence. It might be today that some of you are saying, because of what I've been going through, I don't see any of these pieces coming through my life I don't have a joy. I don't have a peace. I, I was confused before I entered the trial. I'm even more confused now. I don't know if I'm a follower of Christ. If that's the case, there's going to be pastors and some of our pastor's wives at the end of the aisles. that We want to pray with you. We want to talk with you. It might be people just say, I just need prayer. I, need, I don't even know where to begin in prayer. I just need prayer. If that's the case, I want to encourage you. Share that with someone else. The church needs to be a place where people who know Jesus and those who are searching can come and find hope and healing and life in the powerful name of Jesus. So we're going to sing a song of invitation and we'll open up this time. However God is leading you, I encourage you to respond to him. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you do. Thank you for how you move in our lives. God, we're asking today that you would meet people in such a personal way that, Lord, we can do nothing other than say it had to be God. So, Father, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we sing?